Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm Laura Youngkin of The Brave Millennial. This is Lars Helgeson, CEO of Greenrope and author of CRM for Dummies. I'm Allison Bloom-Fetchback, the founder and CEO of Know Your Crew. This is Brad Van Dam, president and CEO of Marge Confectionery. And you're listening to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. All right, to everyone listening out there, I got to ask you a question. If you knew that a home decor or furnishing purchase would ultimately help families caring for sick children, would you want to know more? Well, my friends at thetrendyspace.com are doing just that. They call it Warming Hearts by Warming Homes, and they're asking for us to swing over into their website, browse for some trendy home decor, check out, and in doing so, support families caring for sick children. See, the trendy space is committed to donating a portion of proceeds towards helping less fortunate families. You'll find hundreds of beautiful, trendy home decor and furnishing items at the trendy space site. But what makes them different is they believe no home decor could ever truly warm a home enough when there's a sick child in the family. So please check them out today. I want you to use the promo code WISDOM. That's right, promo code WISDOM at checkout and get 15% off your entire order just for being my appreciated listener. Go to thetrendyspace.com right now. Hey, are you looking to advertise? Like, are you really looking to expand on the reach that you have? Well, look no further than right here yes right where you're listening to right now right here on high level wisdom if you have a great business a product that you feel would serve a growing audience and also the executives that come on this show every single week feel free to send us an email info at highlevelwisdom.com that's info at highlevelwisdom.com once again that's info at highlevelwisdom.com to put your product to service right here at dollarseed.com, all of our seeds are only a dollar a pack. And we have online resources that teach you all about the rewarding hobby of growing your own plants, flowers, herbs, and vegetables. Imagine the joy you'll feel when your children actually help you harvest your first garden crop. Or the pride of knowing you'll never need a florist again. Visit dollarseed.com and grow a little magic of your own for just a dollar. Dollarseed.com. What could be healthier? Now, let's listen to this week's episode. Hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. It's another great day. It's another great week right here on the podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe. And remember, we are now on YouTube. Yes, you can definitely go to YouTube. Make sure you check us out. Search High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders and make sure you subscribe. Well, with that being said, today's interview is exciting because I had the pleasure of talking to none other than Audra Bohannon. Now, you may not know who she is, but you may have heard of this wonderful consultant group who is worldwide, who does some great things for companies around the world. And that is 
Corn Fairy. Well, she happens to be the senior client partner. And because it's March and because it's like Women's History Month, I thought, you know what? We need to do March right. And I need to bring on someone who is an influencer, who is uh, the rudder to some of the largest ships of companies around the world when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Audra gets it. And I'm telling you right now, this is going to be an exciting interview. So I want you to listen to my interview with the senior client partner of Corn Ferry, Audra Bohannon, who is the diversity and inclusion king. Take a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Today's uh, interview is going to be exciting because here on High Level Wisdom, as you know, one of the things that I really do care about is making sure that we get an opportunity to talk to people who can actually help us as emerging leaders, not only in our corporate career, but in our personal life. And today, I'm really, really excited about the person I'm able to talk to that you are going to get a chance to hear my, what I would call almost a cheat sheet of conversation uh, as not only just being someone who's been in her corporate career for such a long time, but who has been a doer, somebody who is helping corporations uh, for people like myself, like you who may be watching this video, not only get you through your corporate career, but she also uh, has done some amazing work around diversity and inclusion, and they're not the same. And so you're going to find out all about that uh, during this interview. But she is also a wonderful graduate of Wayne State University. Uh, yeah. Detroit's in the house. Yeah. All right. And so one of the things that uh, today we are going to be able to do is talk to none other than Audra Bohannon, who is the senior client partner for Corn Ferry. How are you today? I am doing well, Chris. Thank you so much for being able to, for me to be able to sit down and talk about something I'm so passionate about. Absolutely. So before, uh, I didn't want to spill any beans and I wanted to jump right into it. And so before we start talking about millennials and corporations and all these different things, I want to go back. I want to start like at the very beginning. I want to start before you were... the beginning? Yeah, the very beginning. <laughs> we want to we want to go all the way back. I want to talk about what it was like when you were just an individual contributor working your role. Tell me like what your journey was in your corporate career and where was kind of that pivoting moment that happened for you that got you to where you are today? That pivotal moment. Okay. When I worked in retail, I had a job as an area manager, worked 80 hours a week, did everything I could to be good at what I was supposed to do every day. And I kept saying something was missing. Hmm. So even though I was managing, I loved the customer, I was having a lot of fun in retail, I kept saying something was missing. Okay. So I decided that I was going to go and teach. So I said, I'm going to see if I can give me a part-time job and teach at the community college level. So I was at the point of filling out the application to teach at the community college level when um, there was an announcement, because I was, in retail, again, in retail mm-hmm. for a company that we would think of today as Macy's. And so there was an announcement that they were going to bring all the minorities together in the company to um, just come together. And it was the first time people of color had all been in the same room. Wow. And the guest speaker was someone that just rocked our world. Okay. And his name was Jeff Howard. Hmm. And when he was, he had people bouncing off the wall. He was saying, you know, you got to drive your careers. You have to take responsibility. We said, well, what about racism? I don't care about racism. And I was just fascinated mm-hmm. with his story. And to make a long story short, I was able to 
develop a relationship with him. And he was at the point of starting his business. And he had a partner. He got a partner by the name of Mark Wallace. And I was their first employee. Wow. So I left retail. So my pivot was to pack that little Toyota that wasn't supposed to be in Detroit anyway (laughs) and take myself to Boston, which is where he lived and where he built his business. And um, I was able to just step into a space where I was supporting the development and and of of people of color. At this particular point, it was African-Americans specifically. But it was like a dream come true. And I mean, I was so happy. And to, to, to give you a sense of, because it was a huge move. I mean, my family thought I had lost my mind. They wow. just thought you were going to be leaving this good job and going, where? To work for who? But um, a colleague joined us about a year after I started. And I was looking for the perfect card to get her to welcome her to Boston and to our firm, which was called J. Howard and Associates. And I found a card and it says, nobody has to tell you when it's right. Mm. And that's how I felt about that decision. Because mm. now when I look back on it, I see how big of a risk it was. But it didn't feel like a risk at time. It felt like, Oh, to be able to make a difference, to be able to make an impact like this, I'm there. Yeah. And that's that's what took me to Boston. Wow. So so interesting. I wanna take that to the next level. So for for someone who was able to jump in and actually start making a difference pretty early, did you did you understand the type of impact you were having or having, or was it more about I was just excited to be in this new space that was kind of the unknown and it was a veer off of the highway that most people would be on in their corporate career. I knew the impact of the work or the experience I went through. Mm -hmm. So to know that I would be able to do that for other people, Mm -hmm. it was it was an easy it was an easy decision to make. And I knew that my life was about service. Mm -hmm. What I did not know was that I was able to partner with people that I cared about and we were able to build a business to provide that service. Interesting. So when I look back on it, it's about being able to buy a company, build a company that um, was committed to people being able to do their best work. Mm-hmm. And how do you support them in understanding that? And how do you support the organizations they work for right. in understanding their role? In? So let's, let's, let's go here. So tell me why, why is diversity and inclusion such um, a topic that most corporations still struggle to wrap their heads around to be effective about? In the um, Harvard Business Review several months ago, they wrote an article that diversity training does not work. Mm. And when I read the article, I agree with them 100%. And I'm in the field of diversity and inclusion. We do a ton of training. So you might say, why in the world would you agree with that statement? Training by itself does not work. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, let's let's work with a tree. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you think about a tree, you know the root system is as deep as the tree is tall, right? Mm -hmm. I think most organizations think about diversity and inclusion as to to solve the challenges that come from that space as pruning the limbs on the tree, just keeping the tree trimmed. Right. But you got to go into the root system. Mm -hmm. And it's when you go into the root system that you begin to create change. And what do I mean by root system? What I mean is 
going after formal policy and informal practice. Mm. So you can't just tell people, okay, we're going to all be aware of how, how we should do it. It's right. about understanding there are policies that we have in place and there are informal practices that we are allowing mm-hmm. that perpetuate um, the treatment of people of difference in a way that is not good, it's not supportive, mm-hmm. and it does not it does not create opportunity for full engagement. So I think that's one thing. Another thing is that people want to just check the box right. about diversity and inclusion and feel like, okay, if we could just check the box, it's, it's done. It's not a check the box mm-hmm. thing. It mm-hmm. is a way of living. It is understanding the complexity of the world we live in. Now, the last piece I want to add, Chris, is that I also think that there is nothing more value-laden than diversity and inclusion. When you talk about most opportunities for people to engage in education, to engage in training, um, they can buy that and they can see that it's going to help them and, right. they'll go and they'll go and do it. But diversity and inclusion taps against people's values. Mm-hmm. What if I were raised in a household where sexual orientation was something that we had we had to grapple with. Right. Or my religion said this group is good or this group is, is right. not. Interesting. Or, hmm. um, I've been raised or taught that this is men's work or this is women's mm-hmm. work. See, when you think about all of those things, it's the way I was raised. Mm-hmm. And when something taps up against it, to say I might have to think about doing things differently, I might feel that that's going after my values and my mm-hmm. beliefs, and that's something that I that that's mine. So, how does that tend to play out practically in a workplace environment? Because people wouldn't recognize it the way you do, but it might play out differently in front of people. How how would you? What are some examples that you would say those barriers would pop up, and then people are kind of struggling with that reality that they might have to change? Uh, it'll it'll show up in treatment. Okay, you know. You you walk in and this is your first day and I look at you and there I see things that we have in common. I say, Chris, welcome. Right. And then if I look at you and there's nothing about you, then I might say, hello. Mm. It's something just that subtle mm. in how you greet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's who do you give projects to and who don't you give projects to? Mm. Who do you position well to continue to grow? I look at you. You know what? You said you were looking for somebody to help you on that project. Tamarji. Woman. Right. You go to her. Whereas somebody else, well, what about John? Like I said, Tamara's your person. <laughs> you see? No, so, right. So it, right. Can be, it can be little things like that. that that's very interesting. So uh, I also just saw um, a recent HBR report that talked about how um, where people are seated in an office can also have an impact on how the work gets divvied up, the projects, what's important to corporations based on where people are even sitting. So that brings me to bias mm-hmm. because that's what we're really talking about, right? Yes. How how much of what you do and the history of the work that you've done and all the corporations that you've been inside of and kind of seen under the hood, how much of bias goes into maybe even some of the data that you all are able to see from companies, but then also how much of that are you really having to deal with um, 
on a day-to-day basis when a company says, hey, Ms. Bohannon, we want you to come in into our company. How often do you have to have these conversations about the bias that is prevalent, but not a lot of people might be talking about it? Oh, we all have bias. We all do. So if we just start there, Mm -hmm. we're going to be okay. In fact, understanding that. But once you understand that, you have to say, you have to, so one, one, I'm going I'm, I'm to circle back. Mm-hmm. One of the things when I'm talking to clients is to say, when you move into the space of diversity and inclusion, you need to understand you're going to disrupt the default. Mm-hmm. You're going to disrupt how people operate if you really want to take advantage of building inclusive environments where all people can do their work well, no matter what their difference is. Interesting. So okay. that, that's one piece. But I cannot legis- I cannot legislate your values and your beliefs. Right. That's yours. Mm. This is mine. Mm-hmm. But what I can legislate as your employer is your behavior. Okay. So right. what I can do, that's going back to those informal policies Absolutely. that I talked about before. Yeah, that's right. So what I can say to you is this is what it means to behave well in this organization. And this is what it means to to not. Right. So managers, when you think about how you give assignments out. Mm -hmm. I want you to look at your entire organization. All the people that report to you, not your usual suspects, Mm -hmm. not the people that are most like you. I want you to really think about how do I make sure that I give everybody in my, my, that that I'm responsible for Mm -hmm. opportunities to grow and develop. It's intentional work. You cannot allow it to drop down into your subconscious because then you're going to allow unconscious bias to take over. Wow. But when you keep it at an intentional level, you will short circuit unconscious bias Mm -hmm. because you understand that I have a responsibility as a good manager or as a good person Mm -hmm. to do everything I can to make sure everyone that's around me feels and and it feels like they're included. It feels like they're being treated well. So this is interesting. So so let's let's talk about the, the the generational differences that come into uh, some of this work that okay. you that you do, right? So, um, in a recent article you were in, you talked about millennials and you talked about baby boomers who are making that exit, right? And some of the institutional knowledge that's getting lost. How is it that, from a DNI perspective, are you able to help highlight and make people aware of some of these changes? And what do you think companies are missing by not? making sure that institutional knowledge is passed down to the next emerging leaders in their company. What is it costing the company by not doing that? Oh, it's costing a lot because people, the boomers really do have that institutional knowledge. Mm -hmm. The millennials are coming in with a whole new perspective about how to look at the world. And if you can come from a place of curiosity and not judgment, you can get access to both. Mm -hmm. But what's happening is you have the millennials who are saying these old folks need to get on out of here. <laughs> and you got the old folks saying that these little young kids don't know what they're doing. Right. And so you got judgment going back in both mm-hmm. directions. That's right. The reality is, is that because of the numbers of the millennials, because see, we talk, everybody hears about boomers and you hear about millennials, but nobody talks about Gen X. I mean, there's generations in between. That's right. That's right. What creates such a difference for the millennials is represented in their numbers. Right, Their numbers are so significant and they're going to be such a force. So what you want to begin to do is to say, okay, how can we leverage 
both generations? Mm-hmm. How can we create um, mentoring that moves in both directions? Mm-hmm. How can we take the best of what each generation brings and leverage that so we can move our businesses forward? Mm-hmm. Now, here's something that's real interesting is that you cannot underestimate the significance of technology. Mm-hmm. And technology is rearing its head in such a way where the millennials have such an affinity for it, that's just how they move through the world, mm-hmm. that they have embraced it and they're able to move much faster in understanding how to leverage technology to move forward. Some of us are still trying to figure out how, <laughs> how we don't keep the computer going for, for a while and some of the things that you have to do, like, what? You know, social media, you know, social media is part of how millennials, I mean, it's just like breathing the air. All right. So, um, and, and and I was having a conversation with a, uh, a, some, a client last week, and we were talking about how for uh, boomers, FaceTime is a reality. I want to see you every day. Right. For the millennials, they're saying, I can do my work anywhere. And so it's been watch, interesting watching even something as simple as how we come together and how we connect and how we do yes. community is so different on both right. parts. But the change is happening. As someone said, brick and mortars, as Amazon, mm-hmm. brick and mortars <laughs> is just shifting. And, and, and there's a new way that people will work. There's a new way that people will connect. Absolutely. There's a new, there's a level of um, agility that you want to be able to have so that you can you can move in one direction or the other that I think is going to be required for everyone right. as we move into the tomorrow. Because it is, it's, as a friend of mine said, the toothpaste is out the tube. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't go back to the way it was 25 or 30 years right. ago. And we got to get ourselves ready for the tomorrow. But, but so let's, I, I want to be fair though. So a, as a baby boomer, I could hear someone saying this, who's an executive baby boomer going, yeah, but at the end of the day, I also am the executive and my influence in this role is important. And by the way, uh, I'm also trying to figure out how I'm going to reinvent myself because I'm actually a little afraid of somebody just taking my job who hasn't earned it, so to speak. Yes, right. Yes. What, what do you say to the baby boomer who who has those? Those are real feelings. Yeah. And I and I, and I don't want to I don't want to dismiss those feelings because as much as millennials are making a transition into the workforce and the C-suite life, so are boomers. And there's the transition of reinventing that CEO role for themselves, right? Or executive role. But then there's also, I am going to reinvent myself in another way outside of this company, right? So, So what do you say to those boomers who are struggling with that, that reality that is really today? Well, the thing about it is, is that you, number one, it's you, you, you're in a good place to just acknowledge what you just said. Mm-hmm. You said, I'm struggling. I have to reinvent myself. I'm not sure how we're going to make all of this work. Mm-hmm. So to even put that on the table right. is significant. Mm-hmm. Now we can do the work. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that today in 218, we all have to be willing to change. Right. We, we all have to be willing to change. And we also need to acknowledge our value. Mm -hmm. And I think probably today, more than at any other time, what got us here is not going to get us there. Right. It's not, you can't, the market is demanding us to do some things differently. Right. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of CEOs and a lot of senior leaders are understanding is that the market is demanding a different way Mm -hmm. of you 
coming to the of you bringing it all in. You just got to you just going to have to do some things differently. Right. So the question is, how do I access resources that will support me in managing the fear and in, and help me to have the courage mm-hmm. to do things differently than I've ever done them before. Mm-hmm. Because you have a lot of people who've been in place for a while and we've done this, we we know it. We know what it takes to run the business, but we knew what it take we know what it took to run the business yesterday. Right. What's required to run the business today is starting to shift right in front of yeah. us. Yeah. And sometimes the people who are gonna help us do that shift Somebody is about twenty-four years. <laughs> right. Well, you bring up a good point because um, I had I had I written an article a while back about this very thing, talking about you know, is it possible you've been a leader too long? Mm-hmm. Right. You so you don't have any real perspective of what it's like being an individual contributor working under you, mm-hmm. right? Or you don't you don't have a, a good sense of what it's like on the ground inside of your organization. So when we talk about things like that. I'm curious as to your perspective about communication gaps between millennials and boomers. What what do you think are like some of the things and misconceptions that you see? And you're laughing, so that means you have something that is, uh, it, it, you know, that you would know. But I, I'm I'm curious about that because I would think in the work that you do, you would you would have kind of a, a real world a perspective about how that communication is impacting. Um, the efforts that companies are probably trying to do in these different initiatives around maybe even DNI, but just communicating with a baby boomer executive and a millennial who, you know, may see the world as all tech, right? And why can't we do it, you know, skips, you know, steps two through six and just do one and seven, right? So so what what are your perspectives on those communication issues? Well, I, w- I would just say that I'm, I'm going to take it to something real, real simple, and that's texting. Yeah, absolutely. Um. You first of all have to understand, and, and, and it's taken me a while, because when I look, you know, I can try to get my nieces and nephews to pick up the phone and call me every single day. I can try to do that. Right. Or I can decide I'm going to text and they're going to text me right back and we can keep things going. <laughs> right. So the goal is that different, um, we got different generations that have a preference for how they communicate. Absolutely. So I have to embrace all of that. Mm-hmm. And what's going to help me to embrace it is to understand the end game. And it's really, what am I trying to, where do I want to land? Okay. I want to land in us being able to be on the same page, same time, moving in the same direction. Right. So now that I know that, then I got to back into it and say, now, how best can I get that? And right. it's been it's been a little bit of do- tough. And the reason why I was laughing earlier, because even if something as simple as texting, now, if I'm text, I'm trying to make sure all my words are right and right. I got my, the, the whole word and, <laughs> and, 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 and I got a nice paragraph and what do I get back from my niece? IDK. Right. And, and just a few symbols. And right. you're supposed to be able to figure that whole message right. out. Even something like that is so different yeah, absolutely. from one generation to the other. Do you think that is now starting to also impact workplace communication? Do you think that um, a millennial coming in saying, hey, uh, you know, what's your phone number, boss? And I want to, and they want to text back and forth when they're traveling. Do you think that changes maybe the dynamics and how, yeah. how but but do you, do you see it as more of a, a a hindrance or do you see it as something that is a potential way to to keep engagement going? Because I've met a lot of different people who 
for whatever reason, they either they embrace it from from a texting standpoint, or you know, I, now I'm I am a millennial. I will tell you that, but I'm on the older side, and so unfortunately, I also have an old soul. So I actually would prefer we have a conversation and talk. I don't really like to text like that, but I also know that in Gen Z, they actually have a totally different modality. They're not just texting; they're using things like Snapchat for all of their communication. All of it. That is literally everything that they use, right? So what's it like from, so because that's a personal one-on-one thing, right? But when you talk about being in the workplace, how is that changing the way communication happens inside of the workplace? I will tell you this, like, for example, I was at a conference just a couple of days ago and people tweet. That's right. In real time. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the smartphone has become an appendage to the hand where it, you're constantly moving with it at all times. Mm-hmm. Some, so I think there's parts of it that's good. I also think that sometimes we, it serves as protective devices. So when you don't want to deal with what you need to deal with, you can always go to the phone. Uh, when you want to disengage because somebody's born and you don't feel like participating in the mm-hmm. meeting, you can go to the phone. So I think it can be used in a way that moves you away from mm-hmm. what you need to deal with. I also think it can be used in a way that can serve where it is that you want to go. Mm-hmm. Too much of anything is always going to be an issue. Right. I think when you, you keep talking, you, you said, Chris, communication, you got to sit down and say, OK, let's figure this out because right. we got so many options. I mean, you got someone all the way over here who, who would love to write a letter, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it. Right. You know, some people don't even know what to a stamp. Right. Like, what, what in the world are you supposed to do with a stamp? <laughs> what to do with and the envelope? Like, more, what to do yeah. with the envelope? You know, some of us still want to write a check out. Right. Other people are just snapping and, and transferring. Right. So you got that on, on this end. And then all the way over here on the other end, you have, you know, tweeting and Snapchat and all the other forms of communications where even email is seen as old. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's, true. It's some ju- you know, email is seen as something like, what? Right. So it, it, it's interesting because I don't think we've landed yet on what's going to be the formal practice of communication the way we had 15 and 20 years ago. I think we have such a range of yeah. people based on what they're most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. The question is, can we get information from point A to point B mm-hmm. in a timely manner that allows us to be effective in the work that we're going to Interesting. do? Interesting. Wow. And that all of us are going to be open to change. Okay. And I think that's the thing that's that's uncomfortable because everybody has to be open to change mm-hmm. to understand what came before, what's coming, what's now, and what's going to come after. And while we're trying to figure it out, something new is going to come in. Right. See, that's the thing. The speed in which we are changing mm-hmm. is unprecedented. It's mm-hmm. never happened before. So there's some things we just don't know. We're just going to have to just keep working it. And I know I've been a resistor, like social media, do I really have to? And everybody else said, okay, I guess I got to go. I guess I got to <laughs> go. But you know what? If I don't, get back to it. Hey, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I hope you found what Audra had to say as exciting as I did. I was so excited to be able to sit down and talk with her. Now, listen, if you've enjoyed this, make sure that you share it. Make sure you share with us how you feel, what you've learned so far. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter using the handle at High Level Wisdom. Make sure you subscribe or follow. Don't forget, we're also on YouTube. So you can go to YouTube right now and see this interview. Thank you so much. And in just a short couple of days, you will get part two of our interview as we continue to deep dive with Audra Bohannon, the senior client partner at CornFed. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that whatever you choose to do today, that you do it at high level. Take care.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.